Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And good evening, Undying Light listeners. We have made it. Finally have made it to the end. Oh, it's been um, just a long journey. It has been incredibly challenging. And I am just so thankful that we have finally reached the end the conclusion of our book of revelation study now this again series is not uh exhaustive of all of the eschatology that can be found or pulled out of scripture uh this is just what you know is some of the more prominent pieces that we can turn to in scripture and help us understand and then we decided to journey through the book of revelation together and help unpack it better for you as a listener so with that said we have finally reached the end chapter 22 i don't think we'll be spending a ton of time in here uh, other than just maybe rehashing uh, some of the things that we've talked about we'll clarify a few pieces in scripture and we will wrap up the series and put a bow on it and put it in the closet now next week i am scheduled at this point scheduled to record with the Bible dingers and I hope we can make this work. Uh, we'll have just a round table discussion primarily on eschatology and this series and um, just kind of, uh, you know, get some discussions rolling and get some perspectives put out on the table and we will um, wrap this whole series up with that. And then uh, as if you follow me on Instagram, I did a poll uh, this morning, and we will. I'm looking at your input on what you think some of the lesser talked about or lesser known individuals in Scripture or books in Scripture are, and we're going to picking. We'll be picking some of them. We'll do a short series on that. Uh, probably six to eight weeks should be sufficient. And then we will probably pick another book and uh, 
go through it in an exegetical format after that. And so that will be kind of how we lay out the next handful of months. Oh, we will have a Christmas special in there too. So stay tuned around December, wherever we are, we will break from that, do a short Christmas series, and then uh, we'll be back into regular shows in January. So I am, I am relieved absolutely relieved that we are finally at the end this has been a long grueling process uh, over the last year all the time and put in books read you know articles read and reviewed scripture covered you know commentaries reviewed uh, just a crazy amount of data to pour through and it's still not even exhaustive which is why i find eschatology to be really one of those amazing you know, pieces of doctrine. It's not something that you can exhaust one t- time through. And it's not something that you'll probably have all of the right answers to uh, at the end, because there's probably things that we can kind of pick from each of the four major views and move them kind of in and maybe make a, you know, a, a nice view out of kind of some of the connections uh, that they share. Not to say that each of them are wrong in their own, you know, kind of uh, box, if you would. But they, but each one does present some struggles in terms of interpretation of scripture, and that's why uh, through this journey, I really leaned more towards the all millennialist perspective because I find it to be the one that really gives us a better picture of the time scale of the world. It's not building to certain and literal events that are going to come, but it is reflecting back on things that have been happening within the church and in the world for the last thousand, few thousand years. So we'll talk a little bit more about that kind of thing next week as I invite the Bible Dingers onto my show, and we will um, have a conversation focused solely around that. So look. Pay, uh, pay attention to that. That'll be coming down the pipeline. And that's that. A um, couple quick uh, commercials, and we'll get moving. First, um, I had said that we would be considering some stuff in August, adding a Tuesday show. Um, my Tuesday or my, my week uh, schedule has been completely flipped up on its head in the last couple of weeks. And so. I've yet to have the opportunity to record some of these shows that I've wanted to record, and so we have been uh, we've been be kind of behind the eight ball, if you would, in some of that. So it's coming. I'm working on it. I just we've got uh, my wife is pregnant. We'll have a son due here in a few weeks, and that's going to really put more pressure uh, on me. So uh, with school starting back up at the end of September and all of that. Um, it's going to be very busy fall. So looking forward to it, but busy. So that's still in the pipeline. So just keep your eyes open uh, for Tuesday drops. We are a listener supported show. So if you would like to come and join us on Patreon, you uh, have the opportunity to contribute uh, as low as a dollar or as much as you want to uh, help fund this ministry. Uh, all of the proceeds go back into paying for all of the software and subscriptions and that that I use for uh, Undying Light and uh, that sort. So if you'd like to join us, 
$1 a month gets you access to everything. There are no tiers. You don't have to pay $5 to get more. You pay exactly what you want and you get access to everything that I have. And I have said this maybe a few times on the show, but one of the things that really considered when I did the did away with tears is I can't sell you the gospel. It's not for sale. Like I can't say for five extra dollars, you're going to get more bonus content around the gospel, or you're going to get this writing or that piece or that, you know, none of that factors into why basically what I'm doing in all this is I'm selling you my time. That is my time put into recording these shows, my time put into managing the discussion groups, my time put into writing the commentaries and papers that I write um, and all of that. So low as a dollar gets you access to all of it. Uh, you can also join us for Bible studies every other Sunday night. Um, and you can join us on Zoom for that. That's a great perk that we've, uh, I think, have been really enjoying. We've gone through the whole Gospel of Mark. We'll be wrapping that up next Sunday, the 22nd. Uh, actually, that's this coming Sunday. Look at that. Oh, boy, my weeks are already off. Yeah, this coming Sunday, the 22nd, we wrap up Mark and uh, we'll have one session in September. Um, the first week of the first Sunday in September, we'll have a uh, night where we will discuss contextual criticism. I'm not an expert on that topic, but I really want to highlight some uh, some pieces to why some of the text of Mark 16, 16 um, there. And so we will examine some of that. So some of those things coming down the pipeline with that and uh like i said for a dollar you can get access to all of it and you get behind the show behind the scenes show stuff i do videos and we'll do private zooms and all that stuff throughout the year Uh, all of that's included it's all available and i record everything that i feel should be recorded bible studies and all that so if you miss a bible study you can still get in and uh, not miss a beat so like I said, you know, with all that, um, oh, the other thing I do want to mention is uh, August 25th at 7 p.m. Central, I am hosting a webinar for Logos Bible Software. Check the link that's in my story on uh, Instagram. I will be putting a post on that on Facebook as well, so that way you guys can get access to it. And... Um, but that will be, you'll just have to sign up as a participant, or not a participant, but sign up as an attendee, uh, just so we can get a head count. And it is free. You don't have to pay anything. You just come and watch. Um, Logos is going to do an hour-long presentation of how to use Logos and how to study the Bible in today's world. The title is Studying uh, Scripture, or studying Using the Bible in a Digital Age. And so there's going to be a lot of helpful tools and tips in there and how to utilize logos to benefit you i am hoping to learn a lot because i love logos but i feel like there's a lot more that i'm missing out on so i'm looking forward to it i can't wait to watch please join me august 25th it's a wednesday evening and uh, we will be um, coming together to watch that so stay tuned i'll keep again putting the stories up on all my platforms so that way you can grab them if you listen to the show and you do not follow me on facebook or instagram uh, send me an email and i will make sure to get you the link to do so uh, you can send it to on dying at gmail.com all of the information is in the show notes 
Um, actually, all the links to everything that I talk about is in the show notes. So check that out if you have any questions, and we will ensure that you get the right information. So with all that said, let's look at chapter 22, and let's finish Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accused, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and night will be no more. There will be no need, there will be need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Verse 6, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the word and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show servants what soon must take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and he had heard and saw to them. I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates outside of the dogs and sorcerers and sexual immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches i am the root and the descendant of david the bright morning star the spirit said and the bride said the spirit and the bride said come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy in this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, surely... I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. There we go. We have finally concluded this extensive study on the book of Revelation. So I have to admit, as we wrap this book up, it really is satisfactory. Right? We we have seen the story throughout Scripture pointing to Christ in the Old Testament and then Christ pointing to his return, the redemption and, and and finishing acts that will be wrapped up at the end of times. And we have touched base on a lot of that. And it's really, 
uh, interesting to see how from literally Genesis uh, chapter 3 until the end of Revelation, we get sin that creeps into the world. And really, you know, we only have the last bit of chapter 21 and chapter 22, Genesis 1 and 2, that are not dealing with sin. But even in 22, we have just this little verse here, verse 15, that kind of ostracizes the sinner. Um, We have the New Jerusalem and uh, at the end of chapter 21, the new heavens and new earth. So 21 and 22 really are freeing us from sin. But it seems like from Genesis 3 until Revelation 20, sin has such a grip on the world. And we, we see that evident in today is that even as I record this episode, you know, it's, it's a Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon now. And, you know, there's news reports just going ballistic about the troubles in Afghanistan and the Taliban overthrowing the government and taking control and killing people in the streets. You know, they're killing the men and they're taking the women and children prisoners and raping the women and selling the children off into uh, sex circles and sex slaves and such. That is exceptionally gruesome. And the thing that really aggravates me the most is that our government is on vacation. They uh, are not paying any heed. They have not talked to any world leaders. They have not acted in any way. Basically, all they've said is uh, they can do what they want, but if they impede on the U.S. troops leaving Afghanistan, then 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 we'll get lazy or we'll get involved. But I find them to be lazy, complacent, and not taking action. But that this is something, no, that as a Christian we should see constantly happens throughout history just think about all the way back to world war ii when uh, hitler was rising to power and he was conquering other nations the united states stayed out of it for quite a long time in fact it wasn't until japan bombed pearl harbor that we actually fully got involved in the war years after the beginning of world war ii and so it's not uncommon not just for the United States, but for any, you know, powerful nation to not get involved with this, with the problems of, of smaller countries. And the bigger issue at hand is the fact that this world is just campused in sin. We, we, we have sin everywhere. It's in our own individual beings. It's in our towns, our churches, our communities. In this nation, around the world, sin is prevalent everywhere. Death is prevalent everywhere. And so it's refreshing to get to the end of Revelation, but we still live in this time now. We still exist without the new heavens and the new earth. It pays us good to understand what's coming soon. It pays us good to know the end, but we live in the here and now. And just as John is writing this, John had to endure, uh, you know, the current lifestyle. He wasn't being able to be released and taken to heaven. Heaven didn't come directly to him and stay there permanently. He just catches these visions. 
That's the same thing for all of the early church, those who studied under John and those early church fathers who read and, and taught the scriptures. They knew that they still lived in this sin-saturated world. And the only release from sin is either Jesus returning or their own personal death. So with the conclusion of this book, it is just a great satisfaction that we finally reached the end where the story that began with the creation comes to this perfect fulfillment and eternal glory. Revelation 22, 1 through 5 provides the last images in the final vision of salvation in the entirety of Scripture. Here we find images that we would recognize from the Garden of Eden, including the river of, of water of life and the tree of life. As the redeemed people of God are restored to these blessings, we find that God's original purpose in creation had not been thwarted by a single iota by the rebellion of Satan and the scourges of sin. In the temple city of Revelation's final vision, God's people do not go back to the garden, but forward to what God intended when the first paradise was born at the dawn of time. Simon Kissmaker writes that John paints a picture of a renewed paradise to complete the biblical account of human history. At the end, as in the beginning, the triune God reigns triumphantly in the paradise inhabited by his faithful, adoring, image-bearing people. G.K. Beale comments that this ending to the Bible story confirms that humanity's original purpose in the first garden sanctuary was to expand outward and to spread the light of God's presence throughout the earth. Every Christian who has ever taken up missionary calling to spread the gospel message of Christ and by obedience to God's word has sought to advance Christ's kingdom can rejoice to see that these labors were not in vain. By Christ's redeeming victory, the prophetic vision will be fulfilled. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so we get this wonderful imagery here as we wrap up this chapter. And we get to see uh, the final pieces to uh, this new uh, heavens and new earth. Uh, and then we get this final blanket statement uh, of Jesus coming soon. And in this, we can say that this life, again, continues to flow from God's throne. Previously, John had looked into the eternal, eternal city and on the people living there. But now he concludes with the sources of life that bless the garden city, the new Jerusalem. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There are many biblical antecedents to this vision, but two here really stand out. The first is that the river that flowed out of Eden to the wa to water the garden in Genesis 2:10. The second is the river that was issue that was issuing from below the threshold of the temple in Ezekiel's vision of God's end-time temple, Ezekiel 47.1. Whereas the first river flowed out of Eden and Ezekiel's river issued from the eastern temple door, the river of the New Jerusalem flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb. The clear point is that the sovereign reign of God in history is the source of life and the refreshment that flows, from, flows to his people in eternity. Since it is the throne of 
not only of God, but also of the Lamb, we see that grace flows from the sovereign will of the Father by means of the saving death of his Son. Salvation's blessings are therefore reserved for those who have maintained their faith in the Lamb's atoning work and their testimony to his redemptive work. And so this is a beautiful picture here that we get to experience an understanding that this is coming out of uh, the temple of God. This is rushing forward to bring life to his people. So without really spending a ton of time on the river of life, I really want to move to the latter half of this book because I find that this warning needs to really be clarified. And we need a couple aspects here uh, in scripture that we are going to um, pull apart here. So we get this first uh, set of verses here in verse 6, talking around the trustworthiness of Scripture, where he, uh, John writes, And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. So in order to respond properly to the staggering message of Revelation, we must be first persuaded by the truth. The angel thus says to John, these words are trustworthy and true. By recording this testimony, John assures us that he may, that we may rely on Revelation's visions to accurately depict our present age as well as its ending. We may safely obey the exhortations that accompany this book's visions if we commit ourselves to the faith and life urged in a revelation. We will experience the blessings promised in them. John is commenting, is commending not only the final vision of God's eternal city, but the entire book of Revelation. The visions of the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bulls showed Christ's victory in judging evil, and John assures us that we can count on this happening. The visions in chapters 12 through 14 show that the church is being oppressed by Satan the dragon, with his tyrannical beast, the deceiving false prophet, and the seductive harlot of Babylon. These truly are spiritual powers that Christians face in this world. And Christ will truly and Christ truly will cast each of them into the lake of fire when he returns in the last judgment. Uh, concerning these visions, including the final vision of the glory uh, for the faithful people of God, John writes, these words are trustworthy and true. We see the significance of this matter by noting how Satan led our first parents into sin. Satan's first recorded words to Eve asked, did God actually say? Satan challenged the truth of God's word by casting doubt on what God had said. Satan was able to cast our race into the fall. It is still by leading people to ignore and reject scriptures that Satan keeps unbelievers in bondage today. And so it pays us to really pay close attention. It really pays us to pay close attention. This is true. You know, John is going to the extent to write all of this down and he is saying, you know, in this blanket from the angel, this blanket statement that covers the entire book of Revelation that all of these words are true. And they're trustworthy. Therefore, as Christians, we can look at this and finally be able to uh, understand, read, and at least 
try and put these pieces together. I'm not saying that you can interpret every piece of scripture coherently because there's some stuff that might take you time to unpack. But you should be able to read Genesis to Revelation and see God's redemptive plan unfolding throughout time. So the next piece here in verse 7 that I want to draw some attention to is, uh, Behold, I am coming soon. The angels in Revelation were commissioned to show God's servants what must soon take place. As verse 6 said, assuming that the angel who spoke these words was referring to Jesus' return, some would argue that this statement cannot be taken as trustworthy and true. Moreover, in verse 7, Jesus speaks declaring, and, I be, and behold, I am coming soon. The statement made roughly 1900 years ago would seem to undercut the, tr- the truthfulness of John's message. How can this promise be taken seriously if Christ's return has not been soon at all? But really, it's been delayed for almost two millennia and may not occur for however many more years to come. Does this not constitute an error that challenges the truthfulness, not only in Revelation, but really in all of Scripture? Well, let's look. We might take Jesus' promise to come soon in a number of ways. First, the future events foretold in Revelation are, quote-unquote, soon. In the important sense that they are the next events to occur in the prophetic calendar. The turmoil of the last days is near in that there are no great events in God's plan between our current situation and the events associated with Jesus' return. A second approach takes Jesus as promising to come soon in the form of help for the churches under persecution. He would not abandon them to the sword of Caesar, but he would come with them with aid. This view accords with how Jesus spoke to the church of Paragram, warning that if they did not repent, I will come to you soon and, and war against them with the sword of my mouth. In his letter to the church in Philadelphia, Jesus promised I am coming soon to deliver them from the hour of trial. These promises do not necessarily refer to the second coming, but promise Christ's sovereign lordship in ruling and protecting his people. Still, the most natural way to take Jesus' promise to come soon pertains to his return from heaven to judge the world and inaugurate the eternal age. In this case, his coming does not have to or does not seem to have come soon, but yet Peter urges us to consider God's perspective on time. This is what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. He says, "But do not be over but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years." And a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish and that you should all reach repentance. Christians, therefore, uh, to anticipate Christ's return at any time, looking often to the horizon for the appearing of our great hope. In the meantime, we are to live our lives as those who are ready for our Lord's appearing, eager to be found faithful when he does come. Grant Osborne writes, the church in every age is to await Christ's soon return, but the actual timing is up to him. So with all of that, we don't or can't accurately predict the proper way to 
pin this quote unquote soon down. There's no correct biblical timeline that's going to say Jesus is going to return uh, 2538 or Jesus is going to return in 2022. We don't know. We don't know Jesus is returning tomorrow. All we know from scripture is the events that Revelation has foretold have been taking place throughout all of history and about the only thing I think uh, would be the only holding factor or deciding factor to really the end of it all is the gospel reaching every single person it was intended to reach for those who are to come to salvation. At that juncture, then we can say, that's it. That's the end. But again, we can't say that until we know that Christ is returning. So we don't really know how many we how many more people need to be reached? We don't know. We don't know. And that's okay. But we as a church should be prepared at all times to stand ready for when Christ returns. To be found faithful. To be found anticipating. But not living our lives in fear that it may or may not ever happen in our lives. We not to live our lives in fear of what tomorrow may bring we are to live faithful and true and so as we continue to look at some of these words here uh in these last few verses some of the things that really you know are trying to stand out or jumping up at me as i'm reviewing my screen here we get again john making a mishap here and and falling and worshiping the angel in verse 8 And then in verse 9, the angel corrects him. This is, I believe, the second time it's happened in the book of Revelation that John has done this. Uh, And then in verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. John is to share the words of this book with the people and not to seal them up. Those who do not listen to them will seal their own fate on judgment day. If they continue to be unjust or filthy, those who listen and continue to do what is just and holy will be confirmed in righteousness. When judgment day arrives, it will no longer be possible for anyone to change for the better or the worse. And so this clear, decisive warning not to seal up the words of this prophecy. John is given clear instructions that he is to write this down and send it out so that the church can see it, read it, and obey it. In verse 12, we have Jesus saying again, I am coming soon. Revelation clearly states that eternal life is free. As 21.6 says, it is inherited, 21.7, and it is an undeserved gift, 22.17. But Christ will cite what believers have done as evidence of their faith and what unbelievers have not done as proof of their lack of faith. In verse 13, we have the Alpha and the Omega, which is a repeat from uh, chapter 1, verse 8. So if you want to go back, and I think we talked a little bit about it for a few minutes, the beginning and the end. Uh, Jesus is the first and the last, and he has always been, and he will always be. Now, as we continue on, we have verse 14, where we have blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to life, to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. 
And as we start to see this, we are told that the believers washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the lamb. Some witnesses to the text read who do his commandments instead of washing their robes. So can be depicted either side with, uh, you know, your interpretation and translations can have, you know, people being obedient to God's commands or the figurative washing of their robes signifying that they are clean from sin. So the last couple verses, 16 through 21, we see Jesus clarifying who he is. Uh, I am, I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David and the bright morning star. And I really like this throw here uh, halfway through 16 where he says, I am the root. You know, Paul writes about this extensively in the book of Romans, how Jesus is the root of the vine and we are the branches and we can be pruned off uh, for, for un- disbelief and things like that. And so Jesus is saying, I am the root, the root of David, the true descendant of the bright morning star. And as true God and true man, Jesus is both the root from which David comes and the branch that grows from him. He's David's Lord and David's son. And this, again, further stresses Jesus' messianic status by invoking several prophecies that he fulfills. 2 Samuel 7.16 and Isaiah 11.1. Luther writes this, Christ, according to the flesh, has his root in David and the patriarchs from whom he has arisen. But according to the spirit, he himself is the root from which has arisen the universal church. In the, same, in the first sense, he is the flower, but in the second sense, they are the flower. Now, I want to touch base here on Revelation 2.28 as a throwback to the bright morning star. Uh, in the Jewish tradition, the Messiah was associated with the, the appearance of a star, as Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1-12 through 12 note. Uh, and Jesus is explicitly identified here in Revelation twenty two sixteen as that star, uh, as well as there's, uh, we can look to Numbers twenty four seventeen as being um, a connecting piece here. This is what uh, Moses writes: I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob; a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab, and it shall break down all the sons of Shaleth. So this prophecy given here in Numbers 24, 17 points again to Christ. This star, a symbol of royalty in as much as the king is invested with authority from heaven to reign. This scepter, the symbol of royal power and authority, may also uh, uh, donate a comet or a consolation in the form of a staff that will light up the skies of Israel's future. It arose over Israel's nation during David's glorious reign but it also reached its full brightness in the messianic king whom the wise men found under the star in Bethlehem. So there's a lot of little neat connecting pieces to signify this star uh, in verse 16. So this last few verses, we get uh, this 
invitation that the Spirit and the Bride say, Come and let anyone who hears us come. This simple prayer for the hastening of Christ's appearing this is repeated in uh, the very final words of the book. Uh, and we sing it often in our praise songs. And I think it should be talked about and prayed about more, as especially as dark as the age appears to be. We are praying for Jesus to come and return and to do away with sin, death, and the devil. In verse 20, we get um, this amen and come, Lord Jesus. These words are may function as a liturgical response to the reading of the prophetic word. On that understanding, what followed the reading uh, of his revealed word would be a communion, would be the communion liturgy. Again, we see this come, Lord Jesus. As we invest into partaking with the Lord's Supper, we say that um, to invite him into the mist. Now, I do want to go back really just very briefly on verses on verse 18 and 19. Um, these warnings are echoed in the same that Moses gave. And I want to go back here. Um, to verse 6, trustworthy and true. John originally meant that these words uh, apply to this particular book without the canonical context. However, they may they may prof- uh, profitably be applied to the whole of Scripture. And so it pays us attention to see that these words are aimed or meant in this particular book. And within the canonical context... They can be applied to the all to all of Scripture, and so it's warnings again. And I and I think the reason we can apply that is by looking at the same warnings that Moses gave, that if anybody should change or alter anything in Scripture, then they should be accursed. Uh, and then we close this out because John's message is about the ultimate triumph of good over evil. It is always relevant. And all the more as the world slides further into chaos and corruption. On one level, Revelation powerfully confirms what we already fear. Our world and everyone in it is doomed. More profoundly, however, this book is about the transcendent hope. It shows how infinitely greater God is than evil by offering a vision of the new creation soon to be revealed. Revelation draws us towards our blessed hope in Christ and to him be the power, glory throughout all the ages that is that is the beautiful conclusion to this and like i said we shorter episode uh we're only about 30 minutes in terms of full context but shorter episode for today and uh, i i really can't think of anything greater to add to this Uh, as i've mentioned there are many other resources out there so please don't hesitate to grab commentaries and read on books that dig into the amillennialist perspective or the premillennialist or postmillennialist if those are your cups of tea invest in your knowledge invest in what you want to learn and as you hunger and thirst for truth it will be given and revealed to you so spend the time Invest the time and dig into God's word. You will not be disappointed at all with that investment. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that said, next week we will have the Bible dingers on and we will knock this out. We'll put a fluffy bow tie on this sucker and slide it away for for the time. So, uh, until then... 
guys, it's been an honor, a blessing. I have really enjoyed this series. It has been exhausting and rewarding, and I am so glad to be done with it. And I hope that you guys can come back and listen to these lectures for years to come and benefit from them as I have in recording them. If you guys have any questions, you can always email me. All the information is in the show notes. But feel free to reach out to me with any questions or anything that you have, and we will help walk you through that. Until next time, guys, God bless, and we'll see you later. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.